Judges chapter 4. Um, if you would uh, be praying for me tomorrow, uh, tomorrow is my, uh, my Monday to be out at the Lovelock prison. Um, so uh, the plan is for me to be out there all day. I'll be preaching uh, potentially four times uh, while I'm out there. So if you would be praying, uh, I, I would appreciate it. <clears throat> Judges chapter 4, we, we, we started last week talking about uh, one of the judges, uh, and um, her name was uh, uh, Deborah, <clears throat> last week, and we're going to finish it up this morning. Uh, but Deborah is just a very unique uh, individual in not only biblical history, but in secular history as well. Uh, but the book of Judges is an, is an interesting book in the sense that, uh, and we talked about this last week, that, that Israel, it's a pattern that Israel showed over uh, the, the several hundred years, uh, I think it was close to four decades, uh, the book of Judges took place. Um, but you see a cycle where Israel did right, and then they, and then they, they backslid, and and then God would judge them and bring a bring a judge into their into their lives, and then they'd get right with God, and then they would, you know. But it was this cycle over hundreds of years, and <clears throat> uh, chapter four is no different. Uh, we were introduced last week to Deborah, uh, but the tragic thing about the Book of Judges is the fact that it is it, it reflects the complacency that can happen uh, in, in our lives, okay? We are no different than the Israelites then. They would get complacent, they would backslide, and then God would do something. They would get right with him, and that cycle would start all over again. And we are no different. Complacency is something that we are um, uh, very capable of doing. And uh, we need to be careful and uh, Deborah is a great example of, of a woman who walked with God and that God used greatly. Um, <clears throat> in fact, the entire book of Judges uh, uh, introduces to us several godly leaders that God used over the period of time. Uh, <clears throat> the last book of the, the, the last verse of the book of Judges, Judges chapter 21-25, I believe encapsulates the complacency of, of the hearts of men, not just of Israel, but of all men. Judges chapter 21 and verse 25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And uh, we, we can fall into that trap so easily, so easily, uh, when we get our eyes off of the Lord, we get our eyes turned on to ourselves, and then we start doing what we think is right instead of what he says is right. And so this morning, we're going to continue our, our study on Deborah, uh, a resolved leader is the title of the message. I guess you could put on there part B or whatever, part number two, you know, I don't know, however you want to do it. But Judges chapter four, uh, let's read verses one through four in the Children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of uh, Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazar. 
the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in the uh, in uh, Harasheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, and he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Labadoth, she judged Israel at that time. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to look at this incredible woman's life. And Lord, help us to learn from it and help us to um, see ourselves as we, as we look at this lady who uh, had opportunity to serve you and she chose to serve you. Thank you for your love and help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, I do want to say this. Um, the fact that we are suffering, studying Deborah the week before and the week after our ladies' conference is completely coincidental, okay? There, it was not planned that way. Um, just, it, just, it just happened. Um, but I think, I think uh, the way God does things, I think, is pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> but Deborah was, was just an incredible woman. And uh, I want to do a little bit of review, just in case you were not here last week. You kind of get caught up to speed. But last week, the point number one was the enemy. The enemy, very clearly here, are the Canaanites. More specifically, <clears throat> uh, Sisera was the commander of the Canaanite army. And under his control were 900 iron chariots. Now, you, you have to understand, and we talked about this last week a little bit, but it would be equivalent to um, uh, you know, getting in a, a new tank and going to war with it. I mean, these these were state-of-the-art chariots, and Israel had had nothing that could compare to it. So um, they had 900 chariots. They the the armies of uh, 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 the Canaanite army was very powerful, and Sisera uh, was a very cruel and oppressive leader. And uh, it, it is described in chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Um, uh, Deborah wrote, uh, she, uh, and she went and called Barak, the son of um, uh, uh, Benamom, uh, out of, uh, whatever, I am not even going to try that one, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, um, oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. No wonder it didn't sound right. Chapter 5, uh, um, the mountains melted from before the Lord, even the, uh, that uh, Sinai uh, from before the Lord, uh, God of Israel. And in those days, uh, Shagar, the son of um, uh, Anath, uh, in the days of uh, Jael, the highways were unoccupied and travelers walk through the byways. Anyway, so basically what, the, what, what, what Deborah is saying in chapter 5, and we'll talk about this at the end of the message, uh, chapter 5, but it, what she's saying there is, is that it was not safe to move around in Israel uh, because of the oppression of the Canaanites. Uh, if they were caught out on the highways, they were robbed, possibly even killed. So 
it was it was not a safe place to live, especially for the Israelites. Uh, again, Sisera had a tight grip on the people, uh, and the Canaanites uh, under the uh, Sisera's leadership. Um, uh, had every intention of of putting down any rebellion that Israel might try to try to um, yeah I'm just totally losing what I want to say anyway you know what I'm saying okay any rebellion he was ready to squash so <clears throat> really 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 bad person so so that's the enemy so then the other thing we talked about were the many hats that she wore deborah uh we talked about three in particular the first one is that she was a prophetess and um there are actually in scripture there are several women mentioned in scripture as being prophetesses uh but the prophet or a prophetess simply means having the ability to to, to discern the mind of God and to declare it to others. Okay, that's just simply what it means. The second hat that she wore was the fact that she was a wife to a guy named uh, Lapidoth. <clears throat> Lapidoth means lightning bolt. And we talked about this again last week, and I, I just want to kind of say this. I personally believe that Deborah was the great woman she was because the husband that she had supported her. I don't believe he was a, a, a wimpy man at all. I believe he was a man that knew what God wanted and supported his wife and helped her to be what God wanted her to be. The third thing, that the hat that she wore, is the fact that she was a judge. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that there were several women in Scripture called prophetesses, but Deborah is the only one that ever held the office of a judge. Uh, which is a phenomenal thing in a male-dominant uh, society like that, that God would use her. But she held court under a, under a palm tree. I don't know if you remember that or not from last week. But palm trees in Canaan uh, at the time were very rare. And so everybody in Israel knew exactly where, uh, where her palm tree was. And... <clears throat> Uh, so the secret that we can learn from her leadership is that a godly leader, which she was, always puts God first. And I hope you, I hope you learn from last week's message that the first characteristic that God lists here in, 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 her, in her hats that she wears, so to speak, is the fact that she was a prophetess. And I pointed out the fact that in her life, she put, she put God first, she was a prophetess. She put her family second because she was a wife to Labadoth, Labadoth, Lapidoth. Anyway, you know who I'm think, talking about. And then she was <clears throat> a judge or her job. God first, family second, job last. And that is how we should be living our lives as well. And I am so thankful that we have this image that God gave us through this very godly woman named uh, Deborah. And then the last thing we talked about, or, or no, uh, I think there's another thing we, yeah, last thing we talked about last week uh, was, was her lineage. 
which basically she doesn't have any lineage. Uh, the only thing, the only lineage that we is mentioned is the fact that she was married to Lapidoth. And I, I hope that you understood from last week's message that God can use anyone. In fact, not only can God use anybody, but he wants to use anybody. It is so important we get a hold of that. Because so often we think that, oh, God could never use me. I, I'm, I am a nobody. Well, you know what? That is exactly what God wants you to be, a nobody. Because those are the people that God can use. <clears throat> so, having said all that, let's talk about the, uh, the, the, the meat of the story here, if you would, of Deborah. And that is point number four, her reluctant general. Her reluctant general. <clears throat> this guy is, is interesting. Uh, let's look at verse uh, four of chapter four. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, uh, she judged Israel at the time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between uh, Ramoth, uh, Ramah and uh, Beth, Bethel in Mount Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her uh, for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of uh, Abinahom, out of his hometown. <clears throat> uh, uh, yeah, Fernley. <laughs> And said unto him, hath, hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun? And I, <clears throat> excuse me, and I will draw unto thee uh, to the river uh, Kishon. Uh, Sisera, the captain of uh, Jabin, Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. <clears throat> thank you for your love and for the work that you do. And Lord, as we look at this, the rest of this story this morning, Lord, help us to understand that this is not just a story. But this is an event of real time, real place, real people that learn how to trust you. And Lord, help us to have the faith to trust like these people did. We are truly thankful and grateful. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In verse 6, Deborah calls for Barak, her general. And she says something uh, to him that is really pretty interesting. She says to him, hey, God has already told you to do this. Why haven't you done it? So how does she know? Obviously, God told her that he already told Barak to do this. <clears throat> but he hadn't done it yet. And before we get too critical of Barak, because it would be really easy to say, man, this guy has no faith and blah, 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 blah. No, before we get too critical of Barak, we need to look really hard at our own lives. 
do you realize that the, the just the phrase fear not 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 uh, don't be afraid or any other phrase just the phrase fear not appears in scripture 70 times so let me ask you a question do you think god knows that we have a problem with fear you think So <clears throat> before we get too critical of Barak, let's look at a couple other generals. Uh, well, w- one general in particular that I, the first thing I thought of was uh, the Joshua. Joshua was one of great, uh, Israel's greatest generals. But what did God tell Joshua in Joshua chapter 8, verse 1? And, and, uh, the, and the Lord said unto Joshua, fear not. Again, this is one of Israel's greatest generals. So if if God is telling him to fear not, what was he doing? He was fearing. Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. In other words, not only was he fearful, but he was worried. I mean, this guy was in bad shape. Take all the people of war with thee. And arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. Fear not. Be not dismayed. The prophet Elijah and his servants were in a jam one day. I I love Elijah. Elijah. Elisha. Excuse me. I, I, I love Elisha. Elisha was... Anyway, he's just a really cool guy. I, I'm, he's one of the ones in heaven I really want to meet. Anyway, um, the king of Syria uh, had it out for Elisha. And he sends his, his entire army to get one guy. I, I always find that a little comical. That, you know, whenever in the Old Testament, whenever a, a king got mad at a prophet, what would they do? They would send an entire army to take out one guy, and it never worked. So anyway, there, uh, Elisha and his servant are 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 in a jam, and in Second Kings chapter six, verses 15, uh, fifteen to seventeen, uh, it says, "And when the servant of the of the man of God uh, was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots." And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? In other words, we are in trouble. And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes, uh, the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. Fear not. When you're outnumbered and life is closing in on you, fear not. Barak was, was scared. Now, now, if God, okay, put yourself in Barak's position. 
God came to you in that environment and said, hey, take 10,000 men to this, to this river, brook, whatever it was, and, and I'm going to bring Sisera and all his chariots, and I'm going to, your 10,000-man army is going to take out Sisera and all his chariots and all his uh, armies and all this stuff. What would you do? Would you jump up and say, okay, let's go? Probably not. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Fear is a real emotion. Fear is a real emotion. And we need to allow God the opportunity to be strong in our lives when fear comes into our lives. Look at verse 8 of chapter 4. And Babarak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding... Uh, the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor, for the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to uh, Kedesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedesh. And he went up with 10,000 men at his feet. And Deborah went up with him. We know that when God commands, we should obey. And one of the things I like about this story is the fact that Barak clearly wanted to do right. He was just scared. He was reluctant to, to be obedient. But the truth is, we are often the same way. We know what's right. We know what God wants us to do. But we are just reluctant for, for whatever reason. I mean, we can it, it, the, the, the situations are, are going to change with all of us. But for whatever reason, we are often reluctant because we're scared. Barak responds very interestingly, and he looks at Deborah and he says, If you will go, then I will go. But if you won't go, I ain't going. And again, we could look at that and we could say, Well, man, this guy, boy, he's he's a wimp. But I don't I don't necessarily believe so because when it came time to fight he fought and we'll see that in a minute. I believe what he was saying was I want God on my side. Because who did who did Deborah represent to the nation of Israel? She represented God's presence. And what and what what Deborah or what he was saying was I want you to go. Now we could say that this is a 
this would was it unbelief or humility? Did did Barak demonstrate unbelief in his request that she go? Or was he saying, hey, I want you to go because I need God on my side. And if God will go with me, then I will go. I personally believe that's what he was saying. Because isn't that what we all want? We, we all want God on our side. We all want to do what God wants us to do. But Barak simply asked her to go along. Seeing that Deborah decided, she, she says, yeah, I'll, I'll go. Would indicate to me that her going to battle was within the realm of what we would call the will of God. Because he says, hey, if you will go, I will go. And she says, okay, I'll go. Now let me ask you a question. Would this story be different if, if Deborah was a man? Because did not Samuel often go to battles with Saul and other judges? Absolutely. So there's really isn't any difference. It just oftentimes we read into it because Deborah was a woman. Deborah does say something very interesting, though, in verse 9, which for any Jewish general is a, is a not a good thing. But look at verse 9. And basically, she said, I, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey uh, that thou takest shall not be thine honor. In other words, the victory is going to happen, but you will not get the credit. Then what does he say, or she say? She said, For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. That In that society, that is equivalent to a slap in the face. But it is what, it is what happened. Barak and Deborah recruit 10,000 men out of Barak's tribe of Naphtali, and then in the following verses, in, in, in verse more in verse uh, chapter 5 and verse 8, <clears throat> yeah, go ahead and turn there, chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, uh, they, they chose uh, um, new gods, then uh, was war in the gates. Was there a shield or spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? So what happened was they got... 10,000 out of Naphtali, the tribe of Naphtali and Zebulun. And once they got those 10,000, then other men from other tribes started volunteering. And by the time it was all said and done, they had 40,000 men to go up against Sisera and his, and his great army. They were still outnumbered. They were still outgunned, so to speak. But they still went. Turn back to chapter 4 in verse 14. And then, and Deborah said <clears throat> unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which 
The Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord uh, gone out before thee? So Barak went down from the Mount Tabar and 10,000 men after him. And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his host with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off this chariot, fled away on his feet. So the battle takes place, and there's there's two key things here that I want to I want to point out about this battle. That is 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 really really critical. The first one is they waited for God's timing. They waited for God's timing. <clears throat> Look at verse 14. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera in the hand. Do you think, do you think that Barak and the 10,000 men that he had with him and then the other 30,000 men that were standing by ready to battle, do you think they were anxious and ready to go? I, I believe they were. But they were willing to wait on God's timing. And I'll be honest with you, in our lives, as a pastor, the thing I see probably more than anything is people that are not willing to wait on God's time. We fight on that. We, we all fight that. We want God to do it on our timetable. We don't want to do it on His. But Deborah... And Barak were willing to wait on God. What an incredible lesson for us this morning. We can say amen and go home and we, and, and we would have learned something. It is important that we wait on God's timing. But the other thing that <clears throat> we learn about this battle that just, that just took place is that they trusted God for the victory. They were outnumbered. They were outgunned, so to speak. They were outskilled. These were these were not warriors. The Israelites were farmers and shepherds and 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 and, and storekeepers. They were not they were not warriors. But Sisera's army was a was a developed army with iron chariots and professional soldiers. But yet they were willing to trust God for the victory. And so often in our circumstances of life, we get so intimidated by the things of this world that we lose focus of the fact that God is in control. And if we will allow God the opportunity to work in His time and trust Him for the victory, we can accomplish great things for Him. I love what Moses told the people of Israel as they were leaving Egypt and they, and they got to the Red Sea and they had their backs against the Red Sea. There was nowhere to go and the Egyptian army was closing in. I love what Moses told the people in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, Stand fast and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall um, see them 
again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you. And ye shall shall hold your peace. Just let God take care of your battles. There was nothing, there was nothing the children of Israel could do. I saw a documentary one time, and you know, I've 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 wondered about this event many times, and I've I've I I I, I've wondered, well, why? I mean, why couldn't they go to the right or to the left? Why couldn't you know? And and I saw a documentary one time where where they actually crossed the Red Sea, and there was no there was nowhere to go. There was one way, and the the mountains came right down to the Red Sea. And there was a small opening through the mountains, a, a little, just a small canyon that wound through the mountains and dumped out there to the Red Sea. And that's where they were. There was literally nowhere to go. The chariots were coming through the, the, the mountains and the cliffs and everything. There was nowhere to go. Literally nowhere to go. And God said, just just watch. Let me let me do this. And as I saw that documentary, I thought of this passage. And I thought, how many times? And this is how this is how my little pea brain works. How many times in my life have I ever felt like that? My back was against the 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 the, the Red Sea. I couldn't go to the right or left, and the enemy's coming right at me. I had nowhere to go. but to trust God. And there are times in our lives God will get us in places like that in our lives. And Deborah and Barak are perfect examples of the of leadership that, number one, recognized God's timing. Number two, they recognized God was in control. But then every story, every good story has a, has a hero, Right? So let's talk about the hero for a minute. <clears throat> After the uh, attack takes place, um, uh, Barak and his and his uh, forty thousand, well, the, the ten thousand, and then the thirty thousand in support <clears throat> pursue after the enemy, and they start chasing the enemy. <clears throat> and Barak, Barak bails, or not Barak, but uh, Sisera bails. Look at verse seventeen, uh, uh, chapter four, and verse seventeen. Habia's sister fled away on his feet uh, to a tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, uh, the Kenite, uh, for where was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazar, uh, and the house of Heber, the uh, Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, Turn in, my lord, turn in to me, fear not. And when he had turned into her, uh, into the tent, she covered him with a mantle, and he said, and and he said uh, unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, and for I for I am thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him again uh, and covered him 
Again, she said, uh, uh, he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee, and say, Is there any man here thou, that thou shalt say no? And Jael, Haber's wife, took a nail of the tent and took a hand, and, and hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into the temple of his, and fastened it to the ground, for he was fast asleep and, and weary, so he died. Deborah had prophesied and told him that, that a woman would ultimately be the one that kills Sisera. And here, Sisera comes in, he slips away from the battle, <clears throat> and uh, unfortunately, he ran into a lady named Jael. Uh, Jael, uh, the word, her name means wild or mountain goat. Okay, just, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> we don't know anything really about her other than the fact, I believe, probably that she was of Jewish descent. The fact of what she did kind of tells you that she was more than likely of Jewish descent. Uh, uh, in the Middle East, I didn't know this until I did some study, but in the Middle East um, nomadic tribes, it was the woman's job to take down the tents and put them back up. So <clears throat> she would have been very comfortable taking a tent stake and driving it through this guy's head. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of gross, but that's what she did. But think of Sisera for a second. Sisera was this general that had a, a very heavy hand over Israel for, for many years. But he flees the battle. The, the commander, the, 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 the commanding general of the Canaanite army, he runs like a baby on foot. He doesn't even take a horse or chair. He just takes off running. How embarrassing. But for him to be killed while fleeing on foot would have been humiliating to the entire army and to the whole nation, really. But in that society, to flee the battle and be killed while fleeing by a woman was unthinkable. So it was absolutely demoralizing for the army that was now being attacked by the Israelites. And by the way, the Israelites were triumphant in, in, the, in the battle. But no warrior of that time period wanted to be killed in that way. Now, <clears throat> there is some discussion uh, our, our, I would say argument of whether she did the right thing. Because you have to remember, hospitality was, in that culture, was one of the most strictly adhered to practices in that culture. When somebody invited you into your tent and you were in their tent, 
you were considered safe. And here he, he comes in, he thinks he's safe, she nails his head to the ground. And, you know, most of us guys are going to go home and sleep with one eye open now. <laughs> but as I thought about this, I thought, you know, she killed a defenseless man in his sleep. But I wonder how many defenseless Jews had died under his reign. How many? Probably in the hundreds or even in the thousands. I mean, we, we don't know, but it's just something to think about. I want to close in chapter 5. Now, we're not going to read chapter 5. It's too, it's too lengthy. Uh, for time's sake, we, we just don't have time. But I, what I would encourage you to do is go home and read it. Uh, and what you will find is basically what chapter 5 is, is, is Deborah the poet. And she, she, she writes a song. Um, <clears throat> and the song is basically it's chapter 5. Chapter 5 is a commentary on the victory <clears throat> over Sisera and the Canaanites. But as you read chapter 5, what you will see is first and foremost, she gives credit to God. She has her priority straight. Look at chapter 5 and verse 1. Then saying Deborah and Barak, the son of uh, Abanon, uh, on that day saying, praise ye the Lord. What was the first thing they said? Praise God. Praise God for the victory. They had their priorities right. Praise God for that. And everything, you know, in our lives, everything that good that happens, what do we do? We praise God. What about the bad things? We need to learn to praise God in all things. Because God is always good. And he, is, and he is good today and tomorrow and the next day. He is good in the good times and he is good in the bad. He is always, always good. And we need to learn to praise God all the time. The second, another thing that she does, and, and you can read it uh, in verses 24 to 26, is she gives J.L., a real a big shout out of being a heroine and all that stuff and um, but anyway in closing let me say this I I, I just want to I want to encourage you in a couple things here there are a few people in history and biblical history that measure up to Deborah she is an incredibly godly woman. She accomplishes incredible things in a society where she was nothing. Women in that society, in fact, they're still in many Middle Eastern countries, they're, they're, they're worse than, than dogs. But she accomplished great things for God in a society where she shouldn't have been able to. But she was willing to stand up and do right. She became a, a prophetess. 
a ruler or a judge in Israel, which was, uh, like, like I said a minute ago, she is the only one who has ever done that in the history of Israel. She was a warrior, a poet, and she became a mother figure. And we talked a little bit about this last week. She became a mother figure for the entire nation of Israel. An incredible woman. And as long as she lived, the nation of Israel did right. That's the influence that she had on the nation. She wasn't from royalty. She wasn't, she wasn't born in the right family. She was just an average person that walked with God. And God used her in a great way. And I want to encourage you this morning. God can do the same with you. The book of Judges is a book of, of, of the, the, the lack of gratitude by a nation. Over and over and over, they turned away from God. And God had to bring a leader back and say, no, we are going to live for God. We live in a world today where it's so easy to cow to the world's desires and not proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. We need a nation of, of, of people that are willing to, to stand up and say, I am a Christian. I not only believe in Jesus Christ, but I want to serve and love him. She stood against the odds and God was able to use her in a great way. She chose to serve. What an incredible example for us. As we pray here in a moment, I want you to think about and ask God this morning, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and, Lord, for the work you do in our lives. You, you, are, you are so good to us, so kind and so gracious. And, Lord, we, we fail you so often. And Lord, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning. And Lord, help us to see and to know what your will for our lives is. And Lord, there may be a young person here this morning that is contemplating standing up and doing right in a world that is telling them that that's the wrong thing to do. Lord, give them strength. Help Deborah to be an example Help us, dear God, to serve you with our lives. Be willing to do the hard thing. With every 